the following podcast has been paid for by Perched on the Top Rope. What's up, everybody? It's your boy, the 2010 and 2011 Mr. Puss in Boots, the most entertaining, the most interesting luchador of all professional wrestling, Lucha Lisa Dorado. And I'm also the MLW World Middleweight Champion. And you're listening to Perched on the Top Rope. Welcome, everyone, to Perched on the Top Rope. I am your host, former dirt sheet writer from Ringside News, Sports Kita, the Sportster, and the richest. I am Lee Walker, and this is another episode of Perched on the Top Rope. I am riding solo. Uh, for some reason, the Perched correspondent isn't answering his phone. But it's cool, and we're going to talk about everything that has gone on in wrestling. Let's start with it. The news broke uh, kind of Thursday a little bit. CM Punk. Yes, that is right, CM Punk. The same guy that started a fight we haven't heard from in AEW in a while. Well, CM Punk has expressed his willingness to return to AEW, it seems like the pieces are being put into place for it to happen. So this is a little interesting. Punk wanted to come back. Uh, Apparently... There is a show June 21st at the Wintrust Arena, which is in Chicago. So, you could see him there. No idea. Um, Now, I know there's a lot of people not keen on a CM Punk return. We've seen numerous reports of Jericho, Kenny Omega, the Young Bucks... But if he's still under contract and coming back, I'd be excited for it. I mean, it would bring ratings, let's be honest. It would bring them up. There's no doubt in my mind about that. And Dax Hardwood has also been pushing for the idea of CM Punk and FTR teaming up against the Elite for All In at Wembley Stadium. Which, by the way, if you miss Dynamite, you know, that was a cool announcement. Uh, 1992, I believe, SummerSlam, British Bulldog versus Bret Hart. Iconic classic match. Uh, AEW is going to have to really, really work hard on that one, I think, to to fill 90,000. But all in, let's see if it happens. You know, who might be able to help put some butts in seats is Jeff Hardy. Jeff Hardy made his return... On AEW Dynamite, coming to the aid of his brother Matt. And Jeff had a good pop, not gonna lie. I was very excited to see him make his return. So even though we got Jeff Hardy back, Matt Hardy made it clear we will not see Jeff wrestling for a little bit anyway. Uh, Jeff just had some eye surgery. His eyes were just a little offset. It's just probably from wear and tear and beating his body up. They had to work on some ligaments and tendons in one of his eyes. So they corrected that with surgery. And they said probably in five, six weeks he should be okay. 
now Wednesday's edition of AEW Dynamite was the first time we had seen Jeff Hardy since he was arrested on June 13th, 2022. That's almost 10 months, basically round up to a year. We haven't seen Jeff Hardy. Uh, they closed his case in February, for those who don't remember. You know, he had a, a DUI. This was his third in a 10-year limit, which comes with a hefty fee. He ended up serving 38 days in county jail. That's what they credit him for. He's two years probation. He has 4586 in fines and court fees, a 10-year suspension on his driver's license, uh, two years with an interlock device and a 90-day vehicle impoundment, uh, court-mandated DUI school or drug rehab program, and community service. Most people, for their third time in 10 years, don't get any of this. You go to jail. It's like Monopoly. You go straight to jail. So I would say Jeff is uh, pretty lucky here because the average DUI, just one, not, you know, three in ten years, uh, what he paid in court fines is literally what a lawyer would be alone, if not more. Uh, DWIs or DUIs, as other states call them, on average cost anywhere between ten, fifteen thousand dollars $15,000. I mean, he's got the money, but still, like, damn. Now, you know how we were supposed to get the return of the King of the Ring and the Queen of the Ring as a premium live event? They were going to do it in Saudi Arabia. Well, that has changed. Why, I don't know. But they are now advertising it as Night of Champions. Which I like because all the titles are defended. I'm perfectly okay with this. I am a fan of Night of Champions. Matter of fact, Night of Champions 2011 was the first WWE pay-per-view I had ever attended. It was a great, great pay-per-view. Mark Henry won the World Heavyweight Championship that night against Randy Orton. Great match. Now, I was talking about Jeff Hardy returning to AEW Dynamite. Uh, we have the ratings, and wow. 866,000 viewers across the two-hour show. Approximately 365,000 were of the key demographic, which is adults 18 to 49. Uh, you know, AEW's got its own issues right now, but... They're also up against like the NBA playoffs and things to, to that nature, which probably isn't helping. But the ratings are also down on their new all-access show as well. So there's that. But, you know, speaking of a show that's up, MLW ratings on Reels is doing really well. Uh... And MLW tweeted out who should challenge Alexander Ham Hammerstone because uh, Hammerstone has held the belt for 551 days and counting. And Matt Cardona tweeted 
to them, you know, a picture of him with all the, the titles and everything. And I'm bringing up Cardona for a real specific reason here, and it's because of WrestleCon. WrestleCon takes place during WrestleMania weekend, and last week on the show, Justin and I had talked about our WrestleMania experience and what that was like. We talked about Giselle Shaw and the issues that she had with Rick Steiner that has led to Rick Steiner being permanently banned from WrestleCon, which is a big three-day convention. It, it's a really, really cool thing. But uh, there was another confrontation that took place. And I'm pretty sure it took place right after I had just met him, which is with Greg the Hammer Valentine. Now, Matt Cardona went on Busted Open Radio and was talking about this situation. But he's also openly admitted to seemingly not being a fan of Greg Valentine. Not of him as the person, just as him as the wrestler, because, you know, didn't have much exposure to him. And Cardona's a big figure collector, and, and Cardona has all sorts of stuff related to the rhythm and blues Craig the Hammer Valentine has, bro. So when I met Greg, I met him a few times, uh, at WrestleCon, he remembered who I was. I have a video of it. It's on YouTube.com slash Perch on the Top Rope. Go check it out. Like and subscribe. Comment on the videos. Thank you. But there's also a retro. So I was getting my retro sign, this and that. And, you know, talking with Greg, got, you know, getting a video of it, of him signing it and everything. In the same room is, is Cardona and his podcast with Brian Myers and everything. They're, you know, literally tables are across the rooms from each other. So Valentine goes over and shakes his fist, if you guys know of Valentine. And he's pretty monotone in his voice telling Cardona, I hear you don't like me, blah, blah, blah. They had to hash it out, work things out. But Cardona had been on record saying many times that he wasn't a fan. Little miscommunication there. They worked it out at WrestleCon. Now, if you want me to rehash the Giselle Shaw, go back to listen to episode 130. And you can hear about it, but I'll recap it real quick. Basically, Giselle Shaw from Impact Wrestling had a, a not-so-nice run-in with the dog-faced gremlin, WWE Hall of Famer, Rick Steiner. Giselle Shaw is a transgender woman, and Rick Steiner apparently takes offense to that. So he said some not-nice things. Uh, Giselle took to Twitter which led to WrestleCon immediately banning him. The next day he wasn't there. I was there. Scott Steiner was sitting there by himself, kind of twiddling his thumbs, not knowing really what to do. Kind of like me not knowing what to do on a freaking one-man show, because this is uh, not exactly that much fun when you're just talking to yourself, it seems like. But uh, I, I had to do this Wednesday, so it's not the end of the world. And, you know, speaking of... It not being the end of the world. Does everyone remember Kalisto? He now goes by Samurai Del Sol. Uh, 
he recently went on the sessions with Renee and, and talked about a tweet that he had sent out, which was uh, about John Huber, a.k.a. Brody Lee. And I only laugh because if anyone remembers, then you know what I'm talking about because Kalisto or Del Sol here, you know, sent the tweet acknowledging Huber, but accidentally spelled Huber's name wrong. And, you know, this led to like Chris Jericho and others calling him out. Uh, Del Sol said the tweet came from a place of gratitude and notes no one knows his side of the story as he was grateful to be alive after going from almost dying in a hospital to wrestling in AEW three weeks later despite burning lungs spitting up blood he said he could barely walk he had a potent combo of coffee pre-workout Advil and CBD to help him through his match and he said I felt grateful at the end I just felt heartbroken because my moment was overshadowed by that tweet, Del Sol confessed. Uh, the tweet only hurt hurt him emotionally, but it hurt him financially. As he said, for a while I did feel like the door did close for me to get bookings after that, Del Sol said. I couldn't get work. I mean, everybody does make mistakes. English is not his first language, so I was understanding you know, that, you know, he got the name wrong, but others really did not feel the same way. And, and I remember this tweet, and, and he got ripped apart for it. So let's talk some contract signings. It was rumored a while back that WWE was interested in Brian Cage, and, well, honestly, AEW really wasn't using him, so it seemed like it was going to be a sure thing. Well, we find out that uh, that it will not be the case. As one-third of the ROH six-man tag team champions has signed a new multi-year deal with Tony Khan Promotions. little interesting. I, I for sure thought, you know, things weren't going to go his way. Especially uh, when I watched the match of Brian Cage taking on Wardlow with no build-up. Great match, no story to it, but could have been a hell of a pay-per-view, could have been a hell of a banger, and I feel like we kind of just got shafted on that, but whatever. He signed with AEW, looks like he's going to be there for a while. He's 39 years old, so I would assume that's where he's going to retire also. And speaking of returns and all that good stuff, this one... uh, Oh boy. Well, Eva Marie did an interview with WrestleZone saying that the door is always open for her for a WWE return. Ugh. Here's what she had to say. Of course, that door is always open, Marie said. I mean, we're in constant talks. When I had originally left, I was filming my first lead action movie. So that door is definitely one of those things that is always open i'm definitely down to always cause some trouble and stir some things up that's for sure marie first signed with wwe in 2013 uh she became part of the cast of total divas she made her television in-ring debut that october of 2023 she took part of several multi-women matches 
she transitioned over to NXT. Parted ways in 2017, made a return in 2021, dyed her hair pink. Didn't last long and was part of massive cuts in November of 2021. I don't want to see her back. Now we also saw WWE re-signed Logan Paul. Logan Paul is a hell of a talent. I'm not going to say anything bad about him. As a human being, I might not like him, but as a sports entertainer, he's a hell of a wrestler. I can say that much. Uh, for those of you who know Clark Connors, he's in New Japan Pro Wrestling. He has signed a new contract with New Japan. This is great. He's a great talent. Can't wait to see what they have him do. Not going to lie. And the last contract we're going to talk about is Santana in AEW. Now, last year he was injured with a, a knee injury in the Blood and Guts match. It seems like the relationship between him and Ortiz uh, became strained. And during his time on Twitter, he had been tweeting what seemed like to everybody... Him counting down the days to the end of his contract, which had led people to believe, is he still under contract? What's going on? What's the deal? And the fact of the matter is, though he's been sidelined since last June, he is still under contract with AEW. Uh, the contract was meant to expire late last year, but it has extended time due to his injury, which we'd seen WWE had had done. Uh, while Tony Khan has not made any public statements about Santana's injury since last summer, Santana is, in fact, under AEW contract, which, good for him. Oh, I can't forget about this one. I gotta talk about it. Jay White obviously signs with AEW. I brought this up last week. I thought he was already part of AEW. Like, he was the Forbidden Door sign guy. Whatever. Uh, I has now considered himself and Juice Robinson Bullet Club Gold. Um, I mean, I'm not going to lie. The Bullet Club, in my eyes, has had no real stardom, has had no real popularity since a lot of their bigger names have left, which, if you want me to name them, I can name them. Young Bucks, Kenny Omega... Obviously, Finn Balor, AJ Styles, Gallows and Anderson. There's six right there that, like, help, you know, they big part of the Bullet Club, big names to the Bullet Club. The big names are gone from the Bullet Club. So what's really left of the Bullet Club? To me, it does, it means nothing anymore. Uh, to me, it's now like when you got that NWO 2000 or, you know, you had... NWO White and Black, which, you know, had Hogan and Hall and Steiner. You know, and then you had the Wolfpack, which was Nash, Luger, Conan, Sting. Cool, you know, like, those are still the big names. But then, like, you had break-offs. Like, you had Brian Adams, Stevie Ray, Disco Inferno, of all names, like, part of the NWO. Now I feel like that's what the Bullet Club has become. It's just a watered-down version of what it used to be. And in my eyes, it just it doesn't add up. It doesn't really mean anything to me anymore. 
So to call yourself Bullet Club Gold, that's like referring to yourself as NWO 2000. And ladies and gentlemen, I'm going to wrap up this show today. Make sure you tune in every Wednesday at 12.30 for Perched on the Top Shelf, which is us talking about video games, action figures, and the collecting world of professional wrestling. You can check us out at youtube.com slash perched on the top rope. Fridays, perched on the top rope podcast drops 1230 Eastern time. So America, Great Britain, and the other nine countries that have kept us on your chartable, thank you. So make sure you listen to this podcast everywhere and everywhere podcasts are found from Apple, Google, Spotify, Stitcher, Podbean, Podbay, and Red Circle. You name it, we're there. It's perched on the top rope. You can find us on Facebook at facebook.com slash perched on the top rope. On Twitter, we are at perched top rope and Instagram perched on the top rope podcast. Now, don't forget, you can follow us on TikTok at perched on the top rope. Ladies and gentlemen, always remember, spoiler freeze, the way to be. We're out. <laughs>